Kane is in the building. <laughs> getting nicer basketball season's heating up baseball's around the corner you know what that means it's time to win some cash op sportsbook launches in late spring and will provide a fully encrypted and anonymous betting platform where users will bet with stable cryptocurrency this means that they can place bets with crypto without having to worry about the volatility of crypto powered by the solana blockchain and web3 technology opsportsbook.com represents the future of sports betting Repeat is proud to partner with them and always remember to bet responsibly. That's opsportsbook.com. <laughs> Hello, good evening, and welcome back to another episode of the 3P podcast. This is episode 14 of season five. We're continuing to roll through this episode with some great content, and tonight's episode will be nothing short. If you haven't already, go check out last week's episode title pinstripes don't panic for all you yankee fans there's a lot of good content on there to listen to a lot of good debates between uh, the guys on the show i unfortunately missed it last week but good to be back for this week's episode i'm your host alex castle and as always i have the pleasure of being joined with josh ramowitz and live from middletown connecticut the man of many hats tj hummel tj Always a pleasure to have you, my friend. Always a pleasure. Thank you for having me, boys. I feel like I feel like these days I'm getting those nasty nester recognition. Always getting the bring up the boys whenever we need them. Um, I, I think it's now your Marcus Smart. How most of his career spent on the bench, and now when he finally gets the starting point guard role, becomes defensive player of the year. So I think that's what uh, we're looking at with you. Yeah, first card since Gary Payton to, to win it. So that's that's impressive. And I'll, I'll take that. I, I think I think it fits. It absolutely does. And maybe we'll get to some hoops a little later. But first, we got to start off the show with uh, a sport that we've neglected a little bit, but rightfully so. There's been a lot going on in the world of baseball and basketball and even some football. But tonight we're going to start with some hockey. We got five to seven games left in the season. All of our team, both of our teams, I should say, have clinched. The Rangers have clinched. Currently second in the Metropolitan League with 106 points. And then we got the boys up in Boston who have also clinched. Oh. 99 points behind the Lightning. Oh, hey now. But hey, we both clinched, you know. We're still in the regular season, so no need to go back and forth yet. We got to come together and we, you know, we, we got to have a good productive conversation about the end of the frozen puck season. And I think that starts with one of our favorite topics to have when a season is, is at the end, and that's awards. So, TJ, going to start off with you. This might be a little. Not difficult, but it might throw you off a little bit, but you are the man of many hats, and, and hockey is one of your strong hats. 
give I would me- say it, I would say it's his strongest. Okay, so so it's the hard it's, hound. It, it, it's, it's the hard, hard hat. It's the specialty. It's the the grandma's favorite recipe. Okay, okay, all right. Well, this might not be much of a challenge for you, but I know it would be for me. So, I, I'm throwing this question out there just to to learn, you know, learn a little more. I want you to give me one guy in the East and one guy in the West who now. Before I ask this question, quickly clarify, with, with MVP with hockey, it's just one MVP across the board, correct? It's not? Okay, okay. Yeah. So, one guy from the East and one guy from the West that you feel should be in talks, should be considered, but will be snubbed for MVP. Honestly, I thought you were gonna give me like straight up MVP. I could have given you the two that I. That so, so did I. That was a nice little curveball. Like it. Yeah, I um. Easier if the East is easier because we're the Eastern crew, then that's fine. We'll do the East. Man, I, I honestly, I could start. I'll let you think about it. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I have a guy in the East that when you think like the MVP of hockey, you'll think about Alex Ovechkin, you'll think Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews. But there's one guy uh, in mind that, uh, that I think may not get the recognition that he deserves. That's Jonathan Huberdeau. Huberdeau. Florida Panthers. Castle, you're making faces. You've never heard of him, but that's okay. You're not a big hockey guy yet. It's a but, learning experience. Yes, it is. Currently, uh, the best player on the best team in the Eastern Conference. 30 goals this year, 81 points, 81 assists, 111 points. 81 assists is the most in the NHL. 111 points is second only to Connor McDavid. When you think among all sports, and this is a debate that we've had for years and years and years, especially with NBA this year, we say that the most valuable player on the most valuable team is who deserves to be in that conversation, which is why for NBA, I thought Devin Booker should have been in the top three, which is why for NFL, I think it was right that Aaron Rodgers won MVP because the Packers were the best team in football. Jonathan Huberdeau, what he's done on the Florida Panthers, yes, they're a very talented team, but look at his production, 81 assists, 111, a point, 111 points. That is ridiculous numbers, and he's second only to Connor McDavid by two points. So if I had to say right now who the MVP would be, that would probably be McDavid or, or uh, Alex Ovechkin. There's no mention of Huberdeau at all. Yeah, I, I honestly, you honestly kind of took the words out of my mouth. I was gonna go with I was gonna go with Jonathan Huberdeau, but I honestly thought you were gonna pick someone along the lines of Chris Kreider. I wanted to be unbiased because I could have gone that route, and people would say, "Oh, that's just New York biasy." Fifty goals, nothing to slouch on, but you know, I mean, the, what he's been able to do with such a young team, being one of he, he he's the vet of a young team, and it's nothing to slouch on, but. I, I'm staying consistent because my argument with Devin Booker is 
look at what he's doing on the best team in the NBA. And now it's going to be a real challenge now that he's out uh, two to three weeks, if not longer. It's going to be up to Chris Paul, who people thought he might be in the MVP discussion. But I really thought Devin Booker was the anchor of the Suns team. I really think Jonathan Huberdeau is the anchor of the Florida Panthers team. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. And I, I don't have really much else to say about it because all the points you made are points that I'd have to make again. So I just I I I say we we agree here and Castle. I don't know if you want more of an answer out of me, but I have to agree with Fromm here, and I just don't want to repeat myself and repeat what he's very rare. You you guys talk about me throwing a curveball. I get a curveball back when you guys both agree, but I like it. I what position is this? Is this player? He's a wing. Right wing, left wing? He's a left wing. So, and you guys, you know, feel free to jump in. When I think of a wing, whether it's a right wing or left wing, I see them more as, more as an offensive guy. You know, more of, you know, the center controlling the puck and pushing it between those two guys to, to get the, the puck in the net. So when you're talking about he's got over 80 assists, not only eight, over 80 assists, but on the number, but on the number one team in his in his conference, I mean, that to me says MVP. On top no- of on top of that, he's also one of three players on his team to score more than thirty goals this year. He's he's third, but Alexander Barkov thirty seven goals, Anthony Duclair thirty one goals, Huberto is thirty, but he has those eighty one assists. He's allowing other guys to score. The selflessness really is just insane. And that's winning hockey. That's winning in all sports. That's winning hockey. And you need that this time of the year. Absolutely. I mean, you you can be a guy that can, you know, score multiple goals a night, lead the league in goals and, and be at the bottom team. But the fact that he's got all these accolades, he's with the top team, he's showing he's a team player without knowing – the full knowledge that you guys know, to me, that screams MVP. So I really hope he wins it. I really do. I mean, McDavid, you, you know a small amount of hockey or a large amount of hockey. You know he's one of the, the brightest guys, the brightest stars in the league. So him winning it wouldn't shock me, but I like, that. I like the answer that, that both of you gave. Now, another award that I want to go over is for a position that I don't know how these guys do it. I mean, it, it's like being, it's like being a catcher in baseball in a sense, but you're on ice skates. Don't know how they do it. And that's the trophy uh, for the league's best goalie. I think, you know, being the goalie, it's, (laughs) you know, you're, you're in the net all the time. There's a lot of pressure. You got to watch the puck moving around all the time. And then on top of that, it's the saves that you make. It's the dives that you make. It's the occasional fight that you have to deal with. So Josh, and, and, and I have a feeling I know the answer that you're going to give, but I want you to hold that answer and throw another one out there. If you have it prediction for best goalie for this season. 
yeah, that that's a curve off I've ever seen one. I was very I was ready to just go out uh Igor Shesterkin because of what he's doing this year. He's top three in every single goalie category. So I think it's his award to lose right now. But some other guys that'll be up there will probably be Jacob Markstrom from Calgary. Uh, TJ, uh, who's the one out in Tampa? Oh, Andre Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky, he's always up. Then out of Carolina. Yeah. Like, Broken from the Islanders. So, uh, Sergey Bobrovsky from the Panthers. The list goes on. Swayman will be in the mix, I believe. He's got a he's got a nice save percentage, and it would be nice for you, I'm sure, TJ, seeing your young goaltender who I think started the year what pretty pretty slow, and then just got hot towards the middle part of the season. Yeah, like the Bruins team in general just was really slow to start the year, and then I if if there was like an, a, an award for best goalie tandem, like an official award, not like a fan award or whatever, I think would go with Swayman and Elmark. The, the way that they piggybacked off each other all season long through the ups and downs. And they, they sparked one of the most viral sensations post-win, and that's the, that's the goalie hug. And it's not only taken the NHL by storm, but you see it all over the hockey community, goalies hugging each other like, they, like the, these two do. And, and I, I agree with you, he's, he's up there, but he's obviously not going to be invested in the contention this year. Maybe not next year, but he's got he's got his time coming for him. But the fact that he's still a young goalie, he still has a lot of promise. It's definitely a bright th- a bright spot for the Bruins for years to come. Because look, he, he's a rookie or second year. He doesn't need to be the best goaltender right away. It took Igor Shosturkin a couple of years to get to where he is now, among the top in the league, but. The fact that uh, he's going to be in the top 10 is still very impressive. Oh, yeah, agreed. And, and the biggest pressure is he's the next goalie to fill in for Tuka Rask. Yeah, definitely massive shoes to fill. But I think I think the Boston faithful are, are well aware that it's not going to be an instant fix. It's going to take some time. Agreed. Again... With the little information that I have, I think I would also have to give my pick to Igor only because of... I just want to read off his stats and like tell me that this isn't the best goalie in the league. Tied for third in wins with a 36 to 11 to 4 ratio. Uh, almost sub to goals allowed average. A uh, safe percentage of 94%, by far best in the league, and then six shutouts, which is third in the league. He's, t- he's number one in goal- goals allowed average and safe percentage. So I think it's Igor's to lose right now, which would be huge because like Boston, he, has, he had huge shoes to fill following uh, the legendary Henrik Lundqvist, the king. Yeah, and I think uh, we threw Catherine on the curveball again because we agree on yet another hockey topic. But I love it. I, lo- I love the, you know, the greeting and the mutualness. It's all great. And I think the most exciting thing talking about Igor 
is being able to have watched him play in the AHL and watching his journey, you know, from Hartford to the garden. And it's great. And it sounds like the future is bright for, for both of our teams in the net. So it's going to be very good to watch these guys in the future and their stats can only go up and, you know, they both got good storylines with both big shoes to fill. And I think that's what makes sports great is seeing these younger guys step up and seeing what they can do when it's their time to shine. So I look forward to seeing not only what they do in the playoffs, but their future in the NHL. My last question for hockey. I promise you this is not a curveball. I hope it, I don't think it's a curveball. Very straightforward question. Whoever wants to go in first, Stanley Cup predictions. You don't no winner, just who you think will make it there when you know who you think will make it there. I think for West, TJ and I would probably agree that Colorado has the best chance. The Avalanche. Hell yeah. I just think they've been the most dominant out West and being from the East coast, you really don't hear much about any other out West team besides Colorado. So that's probably who I would say for the East. This is where things get interesting because while Florida, Carolina, they're they're record wise. They might be the best. There's like, it's going to be very competitive. Like you're going to have an Alex Ovechkin team being the lowest seeded seed in the East. And you can never count out uh, Alex Ovechkin. My gut wants to tell me that it's going to be Tampa, but I'd really love if it's anyone else. So my gut's telling me Tampa, but I'm hoping it's anyone else. I think this year, Florida will be the team that will give Tampa the run for their money. I know, like, our teams will make it out of the first round, depending on who we play. And, like, I, I, don't, I don't know if this Bruins team can make a deep playoff run. Like, they'll make a run for sure, but they've, they need to stay healthy. And that's a thing that hasn't been seen in the last few weeks of the season. So, I, I think I think Florida's going to take it this year, or at least make it into the Stanley Cup and finally get Tampa out of there. Because now I don't I think everyone will agree with you. From it's not just it's not just you. It's everybody who loves hockey doesn't want Tampa to be in the cup again. Is uh, what's his name? Is Stamkos still, still the captain? Yep, he's still there. My limited knowledge, and I even want it to be mixed up. So there's a lot of different storylines going into this playoffs, and I love it. And we are definitely going to continue to talk about it. Like I said, we got five to seven games left. So figure maybe two weeks now, two weeks from now, we'll start to talk about the first few games and whatnot. But love that we finally got to talk in hockey. We got our awards predictions in, and we'll have to uh, we'll have to regroup and talk about that uh, when it's all said and done. Now we got to move on to one of our favorite sports to talk about, and that's football. Yeah, we got the draft going on next week, and maybe we'll touch on that a little bit next week. We'll 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 dive into that more, but 
what we got to talk about right now is the market for wide receivers. You have three giant names that have opened. Well, two of them have been more vocal than one. And we could talk about that a little bit. But the most recent domino to fall was Debo Samuel, who announced that he wants to be traded, removed anything 49ers from his, his Twitter, his social media. And this really shocked me because Debo was such an important part of this offense. And he did so many different things. He relieved pressure for Garoppolo. He allowed them to get yards in the run game when their running backs were hurt. I mean, he was such a dynamic guy. He threw touchdowns. He threw touchdowns. And the fact that and, – and I like Shanahan. I, I do. He's, he's one of my favorite coaches in the league. And the fact that he would let it get to this point is kind of mind-boggling for me because with Trey Lance starting next season – Samuel would be a great guy for him to have. So we'll start off with you, Josh. The Jets have been one of the teams that have been thrown around. And I do want to hear your prediction about if he's going to go to the Jets, what the Jets could possibly give up. But I'm just curious to think what you think possibly went down. Aside from the fact that I'm sure they didn't want to pay him the money, there's got to be a little more to it. I truly don't think there's more to it because you look at the money some of these receivers were making this year I think what like you said what Debo did this year he qualifies to be making upwards to what Tyreek Hill and those other guys were making even though Debo Samuel only had one year of dominance he led their team in receiving yards rushing yards TDs everything So I think that's why he wants out. I don't know if he has any problems with the Shanahan offense. It's not clear yet. More will definitely be coming out in the coming days. But every team is now taking note. And I mean, the wide receiver market has been messed up for years. But I look at one signing in particular this year that really fluctuated the market. And that's the Christian Kirk signing to Jacksonville. He's a good receiver. Don't get me wrong. He's a nice young piece. But he was a third string receiver on Arizona, getting 15, 20 mil a year over three years. If I'm Debo Samuel, I'm not going to want to play on my rookie deal when I see guys who are, no offense, much worse than him making basically like 10 times the amount he is. So obviously he's going to want to get his money and he will be getting his money elsewhere. Where that might be, that's still to be determined. And we'll talk about that next, I'm sure. He deserves to get paid. No doubt about that. But I think there could be a side to it where he could stay and maybe plead his case even more to San Francisco to get paid because 
and I don't know how valid this comparison is, but I saw uh, a, a quote recently that someone asked a reporter about, uh, asked Cooper Cup, you know, how he felt about the market and if he felt he should be getting the max deal. And he said that his focus was not getting the top dollar. It was continuing to play to his top ability and continuing to do whatever he could to contribute to the Rams. And I just felt like that was a very humbling thing. So I guess it really, in some ways, I guess it really depends on the player. I mean, yeah, he's also won a Super Bowl. He broke some insane records already. He's in a good spot. But I don't know, just, you know, looking at him versus Debo, it, it, it was an interesting thing. But the, the, the other part to my question now that uh, the part that I'm sure you're itching about uh, is where Debo is going to end up. And the Jets have been one of the top teams that have been talked about. So what have you been seeing? You know, is, is this a trade that's going to happen before the draft? Um, draft night, do you, do you think the Jets might have to give up a little more than expected? What's your feeling on them making the move to get him? If this deal does happen, I think it would probably be within like 24 to 48 hours of the draft because that's when you see most of the deals happen because that's when teams really solidify their, uh, their, their they finalize their draft boards and they nail down their targets. As for the Jets, look, I'd love it, but they offered two second round picks for Tyree Kill. And that was accepted by Kansas City. And then ultimately, so was the Miami trade, which is why Tyree Kill is a Dolphin, because Tyree Kill chose to go there. Would San Fran accept that trade? I have no idea. I'm sure that's where the Jets would like, would like them to accept. But if they are asking for one of their first round picks, then there's no way the Jets are going to want to do that. Other teams that I think could make a run at Tebow. It's been rumored that he wants to go back home. So that's Atlanta, Carolina, one of those two teams. But Castle, don't kill me with this. I could see one team in particular that you're not going to like that I think would be a, a huge upgrade if they trade for Debo Samuel. That's the Eagles because they have a young, talented quarterback. They have a talented running back. They don't they have one receiver and that's it. They're their wide receivers over the years, which they draft, besides Devonta Smith, have failed miserably. So you would think after a after a certain period, they would learn from their mistakes and be more aggressive in the trade market and go after a, an experienced, proven guy to solidify their wide receiver core. So I could definitely see Philly being aggressive for Debo, uh, Debo Samuel. I do too. And I think he is a missing piece to that offense. However, I think another team in that division is more likely to pounce on them. And I, and I think it's the Cowboys. Sure. They have lamb and Gallup right now, but with, the opportunities that Dallas has missed in the playoffs with the decline of Zeke's play, you don't think they're going to try to jump on him? I mean, 
TJ, between our two least favorite teams, who do you feel is, is in, in, in the driver's seat to get him? Who do you think is more likely to, to end up with him? I'd have to say, I mean, either team can make a push for him. And we, you guys had just discussed that. But I think he could go – he'd fit more with Philadelphia. I think, I think he, he's that missing piece with the receiving core that they need to finally have a lethal – or not lethal, a competitive receiving core. Because the only thing I can think of is, is – it, was it Jalen Rieger, Nelson Aguilar? Look what, happened, look what happened with them. So I think – I think he he's the target that they need down there. And with Dallas, I, I, I'd, I'd like to see him go to Philadelphia over Dallas. And one part of, part of me thinks that the reason why they were okay with letting Amari Cooper leave in free agency was the fact that they knew what they had in CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup, that they could replace them with a young, speedy guy to be the slot receiver and let Lamb and Gallup work the outside. I don't think Debo Samuel would be a good slot guy there because he's a star in this league and he commands to be all over the field. He could, he should be on the outside. He should be in the slot, but he should also be in the backfield. He should do it all. I don't think Dallas really would work for him. I think it would be too crowded. I could definitely see that. I'm just thinking how desperate Jerry Jones is at this point. I think if he's if he's that desperate, he'll he'll jump at someone on defense and overpay someone like that on defense before he jumps at someone on offense. You think he would go to the offense or the defense before the offense? Hundred percent, because you see how their defense inc- increased from last year compared to the year before. They see what they have. You see. Yeah, you see what you have in Micah Parsons. You see what you have in Trevon Diggs. You would think that they want to get someone else to join that core. Look at the guys that uh, that signed this year. Von Miller, Bobby Wagner. You don't think Jerry Jones wanted at least one of them to pair next to Micah Parsons? Because I, sh- I would guarantee he wanted at least one of them. I think Bobby, yeah, Bobby Wagner, imagine that. I think he would be more likely, but yeah. Bobby Wagner is now in LA, so that's not an option. But there are other guys that are still available that I'm sure Jerry Jones would be much more willing to throw them the bag and get them in Dallas than a a Debo Samuel type guy. Make a great point there. It was just, you know, the thing – and, you know, I do agree with you. The thing for me with thinking Debo with Dallas was because of, you know, Zeke's decline and what Debo can do all over the field. But you're right. It would be too crowded. Debo needs to be with an offense where he can thrive like he did with San Francisco. And I think Philly can provide that. The team that I'd really like to see him go to just because – I'd like to see him get a receiver again to fill the hole is Green Bay. I don't know how that would work, but if Rodgers were to have Debo, they, they, he, he can make a run out another great season. But the only issue that I have with it 
and I'm sure you guys would were, would probably agree is you got to look at Green Bay's running back situation. They have a they have a dual threat running back, and I think that would kind of go back to the whole point with Dallas about how it'd be too crowded. You you started this topic by saying this is the first of of possible two or three dominoes to fall, correct? So, but no, no, no. Just just hear me yeah, out. Yes, 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 yes. So, okay, Debo is one option. We didn't talk about the other options. So how, how how about Terry McLaurin look Terry McLaurin to Green Bay to fill that Devonte Adams role or a, or AJ Brown? See, I don't know too much about what's going. How on. How, how about Debo Samuel to Kansas City to fill to fill that Tyreek Hill role? Okay, see that is something I agree with because then you would have Juju Valdez Scantling and you would have Debo. And you would have a great receiving core again for Mahomes. I would like, to, I, I would probably like to see Debo better with can uh, better with Kansas City. Um, but yeah, it's going to be very interesting where he ends up. But like you said, multiple dominoes. And Terry McLaurin actually wasn't one of the guys that I was thinking of, but I guess he's the newest. Well, because DK, it seems like he want he's vocally saying he wants to stay right so he, he's out of the mix okay right. terry mclaurin is up for an extension and he hasn't and he hasn't signed it and and he hasn't reported to camp i believe so well the thing with mclaurin is is i think washington knows how valuable he is and what he's done so far in the league. And, you know, I'm trying to, I'm blanking here right now. TJ, maybe you, you could help me out here. Aside from McLaurin and um, I'm blanking here, who, who on that offense really, really stands out for, for Washington? Do they have a good running back? Uh, Antonio running- Gibson. Okay. And, Lo- Gibson. and Logan Thomas is their tight end. Okay. Th- those are the, those are the three right there. So if I'm Washington with the quarterback situation being all over the place every now and then, I would think the one constant should be a number one receiver. And I think they got to really work with him to extend. I mean, TJ, what do you, I mean, we'd love to see him leave our division. You know, it, it, it increases our chances of, of, of actually winning games, but what do you think of this situation? And do you have a, do you see him actually leaving and do you have a team in mind? I think Washington's going to need to work really hard to keep him, And, and like you kind of touched on it a little bit, they, their quarterback situation hasn't been solid for the last five, six years. They've been through five quarterbacks, I think, in that time span. They've gone through how many coaches, how many coordinators. They've never really had a true number one receiver, at least in the last couple seasons. And seeing a guy like McLaurin come out of nowhere – and be an offensive explosion for you. 
you're going to have to do a lot to help the, to help the guy want to stay. You're going to have to address the quarterback situation. You're going to have to at least have the same personnel in there for more than just a season. You're going to, like, it's kind of like, we see the same situation, the same kind of debate with like Daniel Jones and like, like the, the name drops some names there, but like, it's what what does the team have to do to try to keep a guy like that? And where is he gonna go if if he's gonna decide to leave? I'd love to see him out of the out of the East and give like you said to give us more of a chance to win games. But I think he could go he can stay within the division. I think he can go to Philly. I could see that happening. I don't think Washington would want to do it, but I could see it happening. And I could see him going to a team like Kansas City to fill in for Tyreek Hill. I could see him going maybe to, to New Orleans and be a, be a receiver for the Saints. But, it, it again, it's, it's if he wants to stay, if he wants to go. And if whatever decision he makes, is Washington going to try to help him stay or are they going to try to help, like, help him pack his stuff and leave? Ron Rivera, he's a very experienced coach. And I would, you know, with his time with Carolina, he he dealt with different guys that Cam Newton was dealing with. Different, you know, I mean, given Cam was more of a mobile quarterback, he was known for his his rushing touchdowns, but still he's he knows the the value of a key guy on the offense. And that's what McLaurin brings. So I'm going to say out of the three, and we'll talk about the last guy next, out of the three, I think he's the most likely to stay. As far as I know, Washington doesn't have too, too many big contracts. So I think they can. But if I had to guess, my hesitation would be, you know, his consistency with health, because I know he's had some, some injuries that he's been out for some periods of time. So I'm sure that's the hesitation, but Washington, I mean, I I can't believe I'm saying this because I don't like them, but out of the, out of the three teams, I think they really need to hold on to him most. So it'll be very interesting to see where he goes. And the last guy, which confuses me is, is AJ Brown with, with the Titans. I mean, that one, I'll be honest, that one kind of makes the most sense to me out of the three. I think he is he might be the most talented and have the highest ceiling because when I when you look at him healthy, you look he, he reminds me of like a prime Julio Jones. He's got great size, great speed, great hands. He, he's a threat to wherever he is. Single double coverage, it really doesn't matter. He'll outjump anyone. He, I think, has suffered the most injuries out of all of them. I think, to correct you on the Terry McLaurin, I think he's been relatively healthy. Might have had like a few, like a couple games missed at most, but nothing, I don't think he's ever had anything too serious, if I'm correct. I thought he had one extensive injury, but you you might be right. But yeah, then it might have been a couple of years because I, last year he was relatively healthy. Yes, last year he was. Yes, AJ Brown on the other hand, 
hasn't had a full season since his rookie year. And now he's entering year four or year three. The, he wants to get paid and the Titans don't want to pay him because they also have filled his, his spot with Robert Woods. And with a really deep draft class, they wouldn't mind drafting someone and moving on from A.J. Brown. So I think of the three, he probably is the most likely to get traded, even though it seems like the Debo one is escalating very quickly. I totally forgot about Robert Woods. I don't know. I think he would be a great duo. I mean, the Titans are always a team that's always in the playoffs and always seen as a, as a top team. But then again, with King Henry, I mean, it doesn't even they, – they could trade him and, and, and draft someone, like you said. So, yeah, I, I would have to say he's the most likely. TJ, you, you agree? You think Brown's the most likely to leave makes the most sense out of the three? Yeah, I, I think it makes the most sense. They, the, the Titans can, they can deal them. They can get picks or some, a supplementary player in return just to fill a gap somewhere and draft or trade someone else to, to fill that gap again. There's, there's such big names and there's so much talent with these guys. It's going to be really interesting to see where they end up. Hopefully only one of them, if any of them, ends up in the NFC East. But, hey, Debo ends up with the Jets. I mean, Wilson's got his a very top receiving core now. The, the, the Jets can really start to build something. One of these guys go to Philly. Hertz is, is completed in, in a sense with his offense. So these guys can move around all over the place and can really – make some offense is very interesting for next season. I think the unique thing about all this, no matter where they go, with the exception of Green Bay, is any young quarterback will get a massive upgrade. Oh, it's, yeah. it's not because we're not talking about a team like Tom Brady getting another receiver. Like Pat Mahomes right now is like the oldest, most experienced quarterback in this conversation. He's only 26 years old. Think about the other quarterbacks that we're talking about right now who are getting an upgrade in quarterback. We talked about Philly with Jalen Hurts. We talked about the Jets with Zach Wilson. We talked about Carolina in the mix for Debo. They're going to probably draft a quarterback, even though Ben McAdoo foolishly said Sam, Sam Darnold's their quarterback, which is a joke and a half. Um, Dak Prescott is not even 30 yet. Washington might need a new quarterback. So that's another young quarterback. So all these, all these teams in the mix, except Green Bay, are looking to improve their young quarterback, which is pretty cool to see. And that's just what makes the game more interesting and evolves, the, evolves it even more. And, I, 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 you know, it would be very good to see what these young quarterbacks can do with these weapons. I mean, you look at the Eagles, what they did, I mean – you throw Debo into that equation and who knows how much farther they can go into the playoffs. So we're going to keep following this. Very interested to see where these guys go. But speaking of young quarterbacks, there's one quarterback right now that his, his uh, reputation or 
reputation situation, however you want to word it with his team seems to be a little shaky. And that's Kyler Murray. And I don't know how you guys feel about Kyler Murray. I think he's a very talented guy, but I don't know what the deal with him is. I don't know if it's a coaching thing. I don't know if it's a mental thing. Ego. It's an ego thing. I think it's an ego thing. You think it's because he was told that he could be, I think it was what, the number eighth or ninth pick to the to the A's that, you know, he's the hot shot now. Yeah, I, I could definitely see it. Number number eight pick in baseball, number one in, in football. He is a more talented Baker Mayfield, in my opinion. He's a speed, he's a speedy Baker Mayfield, in my opinion. He is is a very He's a very athletic guy. Don't get me wrong. But what has he done besides get blown out by 25 in his first playoff game? He's had some great regular season games, but he's also had some very questionable ones, which has kept him away from the MVP discussion for back-to-back years now. While he would start off hot and look like the MVP frontrunner, he would quickly drop off when he'd face some top defenses and he'd struggle mightily where he'd have three, four interception games, no touchdowns, less than 200 yards passing. I don't think he's meant for the big, the bright lights just yet. So for him to demand a trade and to demand to be getting paid like the other quarterbacks, I think is ridiculous. Also, keep in mind, how many of the top quarterbacks have actually gotten paid? and actually deserved it because you think of who are the top quarterbacks that are paid right now. You have Mahomes, Yes. But Carson Wentz, I believe is number two, which is ridiculous. Kirk cousins is number three. Actually, he might be number one because Pat Mahomes is, hasn't set in yet. I think it's Kirk cousins, number one. And then uh, Carson Wentz two, Matt Stafford, three. And yes, Matt Stafford just won a uh, Super Bowl and he'll eventually end up in the Hall of Fame. He's not the best quarterback right now. So Kyler Murray needs to stay in his lane and work on himself before he starts demanding stuff from management. I was not impressed with him at the end of last season. And I don't really think there's too many excuses. I think he's got a good coach. He's got arguably the best receiver in the league. And I don't really think he's in much of a position to demand a trade. But now what makes it interesting is that the Cardinals say that there's zero chance that they trade him. So, TJ, what do you think the Kyler Murray situation is going to be moving forward? you think he's going to kind of hold out, you know, regress and anger? Or do you think he'll kind of just push push it all aside and focus and actually start to prove himself? Because he, he's got a lot to prove still, in my opinion, before he can even be in that conversation. I mean, you look at the skill set that he has, and like Josh said, he's a more athletic Baker. I mean, he's, you know, he's definitely better than Baker, but he – with the skill set and talent that he has, he could very well be top five, maybe, maybe in a couple of years, top three. 
So how do you just look at how Lamar Jackson is handling everything and you don't see him begging for an extension. He accepted that he is going to play out his last year on, on a rookie deal so he can get paid eventually. He also is his own agent, which is a conversation for another point, which I think is pretty unique. I'd have to have David Canner on for that talk, but you see how he's handling it versus how you just mentioned the idea of Kyler holding out. That would be the dumbest thing ever. And I'm curious what TJ thinks. Oh, I, I agree wholeheartedly. It'd be an awful idea for him to hold out. Like, and like you guys hit the nail on the head. It's, it's an ego thing. He, he has himself on this like imaginary high horse that he deserves much more than, than he has. And the truth is he doesn't. And I like your comparison, calling him like a, a much speedy, much, like a much more, a much more fast moving Baker Mayfield, because it's true. And the, you look at the play style, you look at the way, you look at the way that they play and it's very similar, but it's just that Kyler is just quicker. And, and we saw it in his, in his first playoff game, he got blown out and he sat there on the bench pouting like a two-year-old, not getting his way or not getting a candy bar at the grocery store. So I think, I think this is just like, it's either a phase or, or, or something, or I, I, I would think it would blow over and he would play because it's going to just keep playing on his ego that he thinks he deserves much more than what, what he deserves. and. It, it could be a really slippery slope for him. And, and I think very similarly, we could kind of, we, we saw this ego or more like these egotistical outbursts when thinking about Johnny Manziel. And Frontowitz, I see your, I see your, your cheering and you, and you hit your fist bumps. So I'd like, I'd like to piggyback a little bit off of what I'm saying. 100%. I, look, he, he's not, a problematic guy. We're not trying to make him out to be this problematic guy that Johnny football, Johnny Manziel was, or Baker Mayfield is, but it could very well escalate into that situation. Cause look at now Baker Mayfield. He's still, he's a backup quarterback on the Browns, a former number one overall pick. He's going to be jobless in two weeks sitting in free agency where teams are going to be like, man, I don't know if I really want him. Johnny football was the best quarterback in the nation, but he couldn't stop partying. He didn't really care about winning. He just cared about himself. The fact that we're talking about Kyler Murray and only focusing on getting paid and not really caring about his team's success really says all you need to know about a former number one pick who the team invested a lot in, bringing in a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, bringing in, I believe, his former head coach in Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, no, it wasn't former head coach. It was Pat Mahomes' coach. My bad. Ignore that last part. But they, the Cardinals invested a lot into Kyler. They revamped their offense. They brought in some other some pieces to help Kyler succeed. As a quarterback, you are looked on as the leader of the team. And for him to, in my opinion, selfishly demand and hold out and with the threat of possibly not show up to anything until his rookie deal gets reworked, 
is pretty pathetic on my part because no team will want to ever, ever pay him if the leader of the football team, the quarterback, acts like this. It doesn't matter if you're 20 years old. It doesn't matter if you're 45 years old. It doesn't really matter who you are. I hate to say it, but it's a slippery slope indeed for Mr. Murray. And if this is the attitude he continues to have, then his ego is going to overshadow his talent, which would be very disappointing. Before we wrap up the show, there's one more number one pick, a quarterback that predictions have not been made a lot. And I do think he could bring something to a team if, if the right deal happens. He will not be showing up to OTAs, which is expected. This is someone who claims that every now and then they, they feel dangerous, and that's Baker Mayfield. Now, I, I'm very iffy about Baker. Some years I've liked him, some years I don't. Right now, I'm, I don't know how I feel about him because of how the situation is handled. But my question for you guys is, what does the future hold for Baker? Is he going to start next season? Is he going to take time off? Is there a team that's going to go after him at this point? Because I don't think the Cle- I don't think he handled the situation well. And I think with his skill and what he's actually done with Cleveland, he kind of, you know, with Deshaun Watson trade happening or okay, whatever. I get that there was some disrespect there, but still could have been handled better. So what do you think's in store for Baker? Well, he might have to start looking at how the newest Fox and NBC uh, hit football league is doing, and he might have to take his talents to the USFL in all seriousness, because I really don't see a team in the NFL wanting to take on Baker. He has a horrendous attitude that he hasn't improved in his four years as a quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, he's done some good things. Mostly bad, though. Look at how the situation with Odell Beckham Jr. was handled and blown out to proportion. Odell's dad, yes, blew it out of the water. But it just showed so much immaturity on Baker's end. So if he if he's ultimately cut, don't be shocked if come mini mini camp and preseason, he still isn't signed anywhere. Because that's still a team that's gonna have to take a risk and wanna spend money on Baker Mayfield. And I doubt he'll even want to accept a small contract for some teams he's not getting off if he's barely getting offers because his ego has always gotten in the way so if he's not getting the money he deserve he thinks he deserves he's going to be a free agent next year might have to look elsewhere to stay in shape and to kind of go along the lines of what you said about the usfl the mine's court mine's more of a joke but he can go join Johnny Manziel and Terrell Owens in the fan-controlled football league. <laughs> T.O. just caught a touchdown from Johnny Manziel, I believe. 
at 48 years old. So, and, and, and then now to be a little more serious, I don't think any, like, like you guys said, no team's going to want Baker. Maybe if a team is truly desperate, they'll sign him as a practice squad quarterback and he can be on a team per se, but not really on a team. And who knows, maybe he'll have a more promising career in, in uh, insurance commercials or Uber Eats, one of the two. I feel really bad. He, he, he had to straight up leave his home. I mean, that stadium was where he lived. I mean, you know, he, he was responsible for the upkeep and no, but uh, in all seriousness, it's just crazy to me. I mean, like I said, I'm very mixed about Baker. I do think the talent is there, but I think the reality is, as you look at the quarterback situation across the board, the only team that I could see maybe taking a chance is Seattle, but they just signed Geno Smith to that one-year deal and they got Drew Locke in the Russell Wilson trade. So I don't really know where Baker would fit with that team. I mean, we talked about Washington situation being shaky. Maybe they try to pursue him to keep Terry, but Baker would have to take a pay cut. I, I really don't know. But out of all of the guys that we've talked about today, and this might be surprising because we've talked about some pretty, pretty elite receivers. He's the most shocking to me that he hasn't been scooped up. I know his attitude's bad. I know he's fumbled the bag a lot in Cleveland. He's still a number one pick and he still has shown the talent. Maybe it's just more of, he hasn't been with the right offense. I don't know. But then again, Kevin Stefanski, I think is one of the best offensive minded coaches in the league. So I, I, I'm sorry, I disagree with you because I've liked what I've seen from that offense, but they've clearly had a missing piece, which is quarterback. Kevin Stefanski has, Stefanski has done a great job establishing a run game with a two-headed monster running, back, running game in Chubb and Hunt, and they have no problem running the ball 30 times a game and barely throwing the ball. But when they're throwing it like 10 times and your quarterback is still costing the team possessions, that's a recipe for a disaster because that run game is irrelevant then. So I'm excited to see how Deshaun does there because that's going to be a massive upgrade for them because when Deshaun played, he was arguably a top five quarterback. That, that division is always competitive and with everything that's happened, it's going to continue to be competitive. And I think it's going to be a great season. There's, there's a lot of more football to discuss. I mean, like I said, we got the draft next week. Giants got top 10 picks. Jets got top 10 picks. There's discussion of trades. There's also uh, a lot of interesting guys in this draft class. Not a deep quarterback class but a lot of standouts on both sides of the ball. So I think we're, uh, I think we're in, uh, we're in for a real treat. And before we, uh, before we end the show, we started with hockey. So we're just going to end with a quick hockey message. Uh, 
Shout out to Andrew Kopp. He, he got a hat trick in the first period alone against the Islanders. Did, did I did I relay that message correctly, Josh? I did. So, and that's what, that's what you call a natural hat trick because he scored all three and they were the first three goals of the game. That's amazing. There, there's no better way to end the show than, uh, than putting that out there. So that we, we came full circle with today's episode. And there's a lot of people we want to thank for that, but uh, there's only a few, a few important ones. Aside from the fans, of course, we thank you guys. Continue to listen, continue to share. Uh, but we got to thank some of our partners and sponsors. The first one we want to thank is Wild Chat Sports and Kevin. They've been with us since the beginning, continuing to pump out great content. Another great source for sports. So we want to thank them. The next one is our, our sponsor. If you want to look great, if you want to feel great, if you want to dress like some of the, some of the sharpest, uh, sharpest names out there in sports, then that's Liberty Shirt Co. Summer's coming around. They're putting out some new technology for their clothing. They're continuing to put out their material all over sports. So go check it out. Go buy their shirts. I guarantee you five of you can buy shirts quicker than Stevie will get sent one. I'm sorry, Stevie. I know you're not here to defend yourself, but had to throw that out there. And last but not least, the partnership that I'm excited about the most is OP Sports Betting, taking a spin on betting using crypto to bet games. We know how big cryptocurrency is these days, so they're taking a spin on it, and this is just a great time to partner up with them. So we're really excited. As more information comes out, we're going to continue to share that information on our Instagram, which is run by none other than himself, the man of many hats, TJ Hummel. So TJ, as always, we thank you for running the social media, keeping everyone updated to sports, having those, uh, those crisp and clean posts, and keep your eye on it next week. You know, Thursday night, draft night, who knows? 3P could be dropping some great content, maybe some polls, maybe breaking news, who knows? But if you have not already, put those notifications on for our Instagram page. Stay the most alert with us. And thank you as always for listening. Stay safe and have a great evening. Weather is getting nicer, which means more events, whether it's a wedding or a date, Liberty Shirt Co. has you covered. They're offering three shirts for $333. Now, this may seem like a lot, but this is essentially less money than what you would spend on gas in a month. And the shirts will last a long time. And don't forget to use promo code 3P at checkout to save 10% on all other orders. That's promo code 3P at checkout. You save 10% when you go to www.LibertyShirtCo.com.